the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Hello there, everybody. My name is Sean Sheehan. I'm back with another episode of the Severe MMA podcast. In fact, it's number 123. And like I am every week, I'm here with the Key and Lynch of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, to bring you through all the biggest uh, news of the next week and last week in the world of MMA. Graham, how things? Ah, good, good. Can't complain. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's been a long day for us. We've had a lot of technical problems coming in here. Yeah. I've been the wettest man in the world. How have you? How's your day been? Ah, it's been. I've been lazing around all day watching TV, so not not too bad. Grand day for you. Yeah, if anyone follow my uh, Instagram and Twitter knows, I was uh, my father's car broke down. Myself and the brother went out to to collect him and got absolutely so literally like the wettest night of the year. Worst effort to happen, and stood in a puddle down to my knee and uh, nearly broke my leg. So yeah, that was a that was a fun night's fun night's uh, work anyway. What what about um? So a lot of people have asked me to ask you this. What do you think of Liverpool's display there? This is the first time we've <laughs> spoken about it. Uh, five, five nil. Were you happy with that display, or how? How did you feel about it? Um, yeah, uh, it was pretty bad, but yeah, I think uh, I think it was very harsh to send Mane off. Uh, I think uh, it could have been very different if um, if Liverpool had given the penalty on Mane and not the free kick on the edge of the box. They should have given him the advantage, and then Otamendi would have been second yellow. Would have been a very very different game, but. Yeah, they kind of lost their heads a bit, which is which is not a uh, <laughs> which is a bit worrying. Yeah, what what did you think it was enough? You didn't think it was enough? Uh, no, I thought it was a genuine attempt to play the ball. He had his eyes on the ball the whole time. It doesn't matter though. It does matter. Yeah. If you know the rules, it it doesn't. It it does matter. There's intent. It's no. like it, they say intent doesn't matter. They say intent doesn't matter, but they but the refs do enforce intent, and they the rules the rules are written down the way they are, but um, in certain ways. Like in a lot of ways, you're allowed to obstruct people if you're, if you're shepherding the ball out of play for a goal mm-hmm. kick. You're not like, like there's certain things that you're just allowed to do that aren't in the rules that are just consistently ref refereed that way, and that's usually one of them. But obviously, when somebody gets a whatever, what happened to him? He, he damaged his jaw or something, did he? Yeah, well, he's all right, I think, but he has he had to go to hospital and get it checked out and shit. But still, like, I think when you get your foot that high, like, high feet have always been, you know, either yellows or reds. And I think when you kick a fella right in the face, they're, come on, like, you know, I think people complain about this, or there's things to complain about. And then there's this, like, I know he was going for the ball and everything, but come on, you can't kick a fella in the face, like. Yeah, I think it was harsh. Like I could see why the why the ref uh, sent him off. Like, but uh, like I didn't see like Gary Neville seemed to be shocked by the whole thing. I, I definitely yeah. thought there was a possibility that the ref was going to red card him when it happened because, you know, uh, the keepers even though, even when they're outside their box are, are much more protected than than other players. Yeah, yeah. I think if that did, if that wasn't the keeper, I don't think it would have been a red card. I actually do think it would have been a red card. Like if you kick a foul in the face in the middle of the the pitch, you don't think it's really be a red card. But if you're just looking at the ball and then all of a sudden he just comes out, he comes racing out on top of you, and it's just kind of was unfortunate. I could see why he why he sent him off, but yeah. if it, none of this would have happened if he had just given the penalty to Mane and sent Otamendi off. Remember Nani a few years ago in the Champions League against Real Madrid, that like he hit him in like the hip, and he sent him off, and like that was. Now that's what you call a bad <laughs> bad decision. Like when it's you know the force he hit him with, you can't complain about it. But yeah. It's, 
I look, you feel bad for Manny, all right, but in fairness, like, what, what can you do? I don't think Manny was complaining about it that much, to be honest, either. But um, yeah, yeah they probably got a three match ban, which seems pretty harsh for for what happened when it was it was all like uh, just unfortunate more than anything. I think. Yeah, Man United were pretty bad too. Too uh, well, they were all right, like, but it was disappointing. Stoke yeah, man, looked pretty pretty good actually. That guy, what's his name? The guy who scored two goals for Stoke. Oh yeah, but, um, got super moting. Yeah, he looked, he looked quite good. He was uh looked strong and he, he looked looked. I don't know. He might be a good player for them. Zuma, uh, like, how did Chelsea let both Zuma and Matic go? They're probably the two best players in the field <laughs> the last day. Like Chelsea, let, Zuma's a class defender. I know he's only on loan, but. He's a better defender than any of the boys Chelsea have nearly. You know, the amount of one in the price range, yeah. You think like, they don't really sell the rivals, and then at that price as well, it's uh, extra surprising. Like yeah. you look at the amount of money that uh, had to be paid for Kyle Walker. Like he's he's not like in my opinion not that good. And uh, when they go when you go between rivals, it usually bumps up the price a good bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently it was thirty-five million and five million add-ons, which is absolutely nothing. You know, it's just an absolute steal for a twenty-eight-year-old or whatever. But look, speaking of uh, speaking of Eastern Europeans, we had another Eastern European striker on the uh, on the. <laughs> you've been trying to say, you've been trying to say that. <laughs> I I said striker, not Matt is a midfielder, but we'll we'll uh, we'll keep going with it anyway. Valentina Shevchenko took on Amanda Nunes at UFC two fifteen this uh, Saturday night in Edmonton. For obviously the UFC women's bantamweight title, let me throw it straight over to Graham. What way did you score it? I actually didn't see it live at the time, but um, I thought all of the rounds were really close. Even even the fourth, which people seem to think was was really dominant for Shevchenko, I thought was really close as well. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of what 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 you like. Uh, there wasn't much, that much happening, but I think Shevchenko landed the the crisper uh, punches and so, uh, but. There wasn't much in it. I don't think the 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 robbery. Like I've seen way worse decisions, but yeah, like I could I could see it both ways. I always find it much harder to score it after when it's live. I, I don't know. It's much easier to score for some reason. Yeah. Well, what way did you score it? Answer the question. I, I, like I watched it now. I watched it now on the answer. No, on the yeah, the, the scorecard. I just kind of was like, I can see, I can see why that decision was given like that. Yeah, I I watched it live and I nudged it for Nunes, but. It's one of those ones. It's it's not a robbery either way. Uh, it's it's I think it's four three uh, either way. I think the first round Nunes definitely won. It was it was relatively close, but I I definitely think Nunes won. The second round Shevchenko won that. The third round was the close one. The fourth round was the clearest round of all. Shevchenko won it. And the fifth round was close again, but I thought Nunes definitely won that one. Like I watched that. I watched the whole fight back again today, but I watched the third round a couple of times, and I, it's it's that's close to 10, 10, 10 rounds. Sorry, as you can get. You know that that fight could have been a draw, and I I'd like to see him score ten ten rounds. Like if it's a draw, it's a draw. Why do, you should only have a winner if, some, if someone actually wins. You know if if it's a draw, if it's even if it's an even fight, I think it should be yeah. a draw. I have no problem with that. W- would you agree with that? Or with that? I know a lot of people don't yeah, agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I I think it should be, but I don't I don't think in the rules at the moment it's kind of it's kind of discouraged or not maybe not in the rules, but I think the the judges are trained to discourage uh, yeah. from what I've heard yeah, to actually yeah. give it. So I think they they might be like kind of. Um, not afraid, but uh, reluctant to give ten uh, tens there. But sometimes, if you're unsure and you're like, "Oh, is Razor close?" It's it's actually a two point swing. Like so, it's it actually is fair. As you're saying here, it's fair. sometimes in certain cases, it's it's the only fair way. Like. Yeah, the scorecards were very, very weird as well. I think two of them were grand, but Tony Weeks scored it for Shevchenko, and he didn't give her the fourth round. So I was like. I'm not even sure how you know how he justified that. That was the clearest round of of them all. Uh, as I said, I think the, the third was 
you know, was the closest. For me, we we get into the tactics of the fight and stuff in a minute, but on the scoring, I see a lot of people talking about, you know, you have to to be the champion, you have to beat the champion, and you know, oh, it's just so stupid. Like people need to stop saying that. I, I, it was I was at obviously Cage Legacy the other day, uh, and I was already a couple of weeks ago, and I was sitting right behind the judges, and I don't know if people know it or not. Like when when the round is over. Someone comes to the judges, picks up their score for that round, and takes it away. So you, you know, you, you, you can't take your, you can't change your, uh, your mind if you score. It's scored in five minute intervals. Like, it scored fighter A versus fighter B. It scored blue corner versus red corner. It doesn't matter if you're champion. Doesn't matter if you're not champion. That five minute interval of round is scored to whoever the judge thinks wins it. You know, this, this stuff about the champ. Oh no, they look. Shevchenko might have won but she didn't do enough so we'll give it to the champion that just doesn't happen the 10 point most system literally stops that And I, that, does that annoy you as much as it annoys me yeah well I wouldn't say it's on the top of my, my <laughs> I don't think it's about it that much but you know it is it is it is true like uh, I think a lot of people m- misunderstand about uh, the rule, the rules and the scoring and what actually goes on uh, but um, I think the judges are, are some of them people that misunderstand what's going on yeah, that's fair as well. Like, uh, the, when you're judging a fight as well, I, the most important thing, and we'll talk about the last round, I suppose, as well. Like, with the takedowns and things, you you don't takedowns aren't scored, but if you're they're forceful takedowns, then you do get scoring. If you get someone's back, that's a score. If you pass their guard, you get a, you you know you score. In in the last round, and people were talking about the last round, they, they thought Shevchenko won it because Nunes didn't really do anything on the ground. But what Nunes did, Shevchenko tried to take her down with the with the uh, kind of head and arm throw. Shashinka got her back. You know, she won that scramble on the ground. That's effective grappling. She got her back. She got one hook in. She almost got the second hook in. That's effective grappling. So that that scores. She got a takedown, a, for, a forceful takedown, slammed her down. That's um, that's effective grappling. She went into her half guard. That's effective grappling as well. So you know, you've three things there. She also landed knee when Shevchenko was getting up out of it. That that was a big shot. I think she landed the biggest shots as well early in that round. Now it was a close round, but I definitely I don't think that's one to argue over. I think Nunes definitely won that. Uh you know, that that fifth round. Just like you know, Shevchenko won the won the second and, and the fourth. It, it was definitely you know, the third. What you what's your take on, on the the whole takedown thing? I know people still have, you know, we've discussed it before, and I think takedowns actually should be scored more than they actually are. But in the rules we have at the moment, do you do you think people are actually scoring more? Or do you think people understand how they should be scored? Yeah, well, it's hard to know what people are thinking. I think people a lot of the time are just going with who they like, and uh, <laughs> it's it's not even it doesn't even get that technical into into what the rules are. I think a lot of people just like who they like and who they want to win. They they watch the fight through rose tinted glasses, or they mm-hmm. they argue for their guy even when they might know deep down that that what they're arguing may not be true. Yeah, like I picked Shevchenko to win the fight. I picked her as my bet of the week, uh, and I'm sure arguing for Nunes. I'm arguing. <laughs> God, I've been so bad daily, but I'm arguing for Nunes here. But yeah, the, the tactics of the fight. I suppose we'll get into that. It, it went very differently than I thought. Like I was writing my preview about four months ago for this when it when it uh, when it was <laughs> when it was first up and copy and pasted it this week to my preview. But when, when I was writing at the time. I kept thinking like this is the way the fight should go if both of them fight their normal games, and then I was thinking, you know, they might not do that. They might change it up, and that's kind of exactly what happened. Now I didn't know exactly what way they do it, but I think Shevchenko always was always going to plan to fight the long game in this fight, and she did that. But Nunes did the same, you know, and she was very Tyre Moodley esque. Um, 
display, which we'll get into in a minute about ATT fighters fighting differently. But um, I, I thought she was did a good job of hand fighting, landing the power shots when she needed to, not wasting her energy, not going for unnecessary, uh, you know, big shots, throwing throwing lots of combinations when uh, which would leave her open to counters from Shashinko. I think she did that very well throughout the whole fight. In the second round, I thought it was very intelligent from Shashinko as well to change things up, start throwing more, start leading a bit, because Amanda Nunes didn't really do much uh, countering-wise. Now she landed actually, probably her best shot of the fight, actually, I think it was in the fourth round with a counter right hand. She landed a couple uh, a couple during the night, but not that much. So I think Shashinko was smart to, to you know change up her fight. And I think that affected her a little bit late as well. Nunes said that she was getting tired. Now, I don't think she was getting that tired, but I think when your plan is to play the long game come on strong in the last two or three rounds and when that doesn't happen when you know your Amanda Nunes looked as fit in the fifth as she did in the first you know that's hard for Shashinko to you know to do because she has to kind of change everything up then you saw her uh, going for the head and arm choke after Nunes went for the takedown in the fifth round as well so things got a little bit different but I thought it was a very very tit for tat fight as I said first round Amanda Nunes I thought she did well keeping her kind of out of her distance second round I thought um, Shashinko came back in with with the big flurries the third as I said very very close again the fourth Shashinko has threw a lot of flurries again she upped the pace and I think she, if she'd upped the pace uh, earlier maybe she could have done a little bit better but you know it's a tough situation and in the fifth in we, we talked about that a lot um, what way did, yeah, what I way think, did you see I think Shevchenko uh, like by the sounds of things in her post fight interview she really thought she was winning so she maybe she didn't she didn't want to take a risk and and uh, maybe end up end up well she kind of did take a risk and then went for like a kind of a head throw and she ended up with her back taken but she didn't want to take too many risks maybe maybe she just thought she was winning maybe we, her corner were telling her that she's winning these rounds so she 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 just keep doing what she's doing and that she just she kind of didn't change much about what she was doing as the rounds went on what did you think of Nunes' approach? Like we talked about it last week, we thought she might come out quick, you know, try to knock Shashinko out. Yeah. That's how she's but, really been fighting. Were you surprised she fought the way she did? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, was I surprised? Not really that surprised, but I, like sooner or later she was going to have to kind of uh, calm down in the, in the first round and not expend so much energy. But it seemed to be, uh, the way she was shouting at uh, Cormier and Rogan in the corner, it seemed to be a big thing that she wanted to prove that she can she can go to five rounds. So, uh Obviously, the that, that criticism was, was annoying her. She wanted to put that to bed anyway. Yeah, I thought it was a very Tyron Woodley-esque display. You know, they fight from the same camp. And, um, like, is that a problem? You know, I, I, a lot of people didn't enjoy that fight. And, I could, you know, I can see why they didn't enjoy it overall but I, I thought it was a very very tense fight a little bit like the first wonder by fight now the second if, if they had the exact same fight again another time it'd probably get very very boring and anxious but i thought there was a lot actually a lot more strikes in in that uh than those fights like is that a problem like i remember bother was on a few weeks ago and we were talking about actually when the, the first fight probably six weeks ago at this stage when the first fight was was cancelled between nunez and shashinko and he was talking about how People, you know, they're not going to go in there and take risks in the championship fights because their money is going to go down hugely if they lose. Like, do you think that's going to be a common recurring team? We see Woodley doing it. We've seen Nunes doing it. You know, GSP obviously different years, maybe in a different bit of a situation. But like, are, are champions going to do that now to, to save? Well, yeah, it's, it's it's happened over the years as well. Like uh, like George Saint Pierre was finishing people all, all all the time at the start when he yeah. came in, and uh, he was kind of known as uh, very explosive and dangerous early and then he kind of adapted his game to to just be really safe and just to uh, take as little chances as, as possible and maybe like you know not even try to pass them out just happy enough in 
in side control or in a half guard just winning the rounds um yeah yeah i think it's been going on for for a while but maybe part of it is the competition as well like yeah competition is obviously higher when you're when you're a champion you're you're fighting at least a a lot of the time you're fighting um top three or four guys um yeah it's tough to know it's i think i think maybe people like Tyron Woodley talking about it kind of puts it in out there into the fighters' minds as well. Like so, maybe it will kind of catch on a bit, but hopefully not. <laughs> I definitely think that game plans have changed and they've become huge in MMA. You know, for especially at the top level, we talked about Darren Till last week, and we'll get into him again later on. He had a big fight announced, but I talked last week. You know, we were kind of discussing whether he would be able to change up his game when it comes to the top. And I think, like, if he is, he could become a champion because that's what great to. And that's exactly what Amanda Nunes did. It was funny we were talking about it last week. Like, she is this explosive, all-out kind of war type of fighter. When she comes in against Valentina Shevchenko, who you know anyone to know knows that Shevchenko is kind of a, a bad matchup for her, or you know, uh, someone who's very good defensively. And that's what Amanda Nunes does. She tries to break down defenses. So, like, for her to come out and play that game plan. And do it very, very well against Shashinko shows what a great fighter she is. And I'm uh, the, the question kind of about whether it's an, it's an ongoing thing uh, and, and a trend. It is if she does it again, I think. Like, uh, Tyron Moodley is a guy who knocked a lot of people out, you know, did it to Robbie Lawler. And then he had what the first Wonderboy fight wasn't too bad, but the second one and the Maya fight were, were just atrocious, you know, standing there looking at each other for five rounds. You know, if he's kind of a fighter now, you're looking at to have another boring fight when he fights, but is Nunes like that? I actually don't think she is. Like, I think if she went in against Rock, Raquel Pennington or, you know, whoever else is the next person, um, you know, lined up, I think she'd probably do that again. Now, she fought, she, or she'd probably, you know, go back to her old ways, I mean, and try to knock him out earlier. If she fought Shevchenko again, she probably tried to, to do the same as she did last night. Or she fought maybe a Durandami or someone like that, maybe. But yeah, I, I'd like to see a bit more data on it first. I'd like to see a few more people actually doing it before I'd say it's a growing trend. But, you know, it's worth, definitely worth looking at. Do you think part of it is though that you're, you're fighting five round fights all the time instead of three rounds, so you kind of have to pace yourself and you might, you might, get more tired you might when you're doing three rounds you might think i could go another 10 minutes easily but then when you're when you're in the fourth and fifth round you're like jesus i I better conserve my energy next time yeah 100 percent. like i think nuna is definitely a better three-round fighter you know we even saw mcgregor before when he was fighting uh when he was fighting diaz you know the first time he went out and he blew his wad fighting like he had in three-round fights or in you know other other tight fights and then you realize you know that's not sustainable if i can't knock a guy out in the first two rounds i'm gonna be fucked going on and then he changed up for the second diaz fight you know I think you're 100% true. The people are you 100% right. I think people are used to fighting three-round fights, and they change it up. That you know, I think that's what makes great fighters. How you know, McGregor has got two belts and and beat Chad Mendes as well. Three three title fights. Manny Nunes watches two three or four title fights as well. You know, the same with Tyron Woodley. You know, I think that's what makes what makes great fighters. To be honest. But um, yeah, was, who who do you think should be should be next? Get just getting the last bit about this. Uh, there there isn't any names um, sticking out there, is there? And just looking at at the rankings here, um, if I can if I can find them, yeah. Uh, Shevchenko's obviously number two. Holly Holm is the champ, or is not? Is she the champ? No, she's gone up to one forty five. Talking about uh, fighting, uh, fighting. Uh, God, what's her name? Cyborg, you know, Ronda Rossi's not going to be coming back. Juliana Pena just lost. Raquel Pennington, I suppose, is the next one. McMahon lost last night. Zingano, Demarandami. It's it's tough, isn't it? Who, who would you be leaning towards? 
in that division they were like it's it's, it's not much there Shevchenko would probably again would probably be the most but maybe maybe she'd just fight cyborg do you think she, do you think she'll go up and fight her if the, if the money's right like like probably not so <laughs> <laughs> well like maybe like you know you, you whoever did come out of the winner of, of nunez and cyborg would would definitely be be seen as like the the baddest woman on the planet so i think maybe you could you could sell it that way yeah yeah i'd love to see that fight yeah i'd love to see that fight. bigger bigger the public kind of buys into it more the casuals buy into it more as the, the baddest woman on the planet or yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to seeing a rematch. You know, I enjoyed the fight. As I said, it could could turn out the same way again. Uh, Raquel Pennington, I think she's done enough. You know, she's she, she's had a lot of good wins. Uh, good wins recently. Won what three or four in a row. She she, she beat Misha Tears. Um, who else did she beat? I don't know. She, did she beat Misha Tears? I don't know. But she's a few wins in a row anyway. And you know that could be you know in that division where there's no star. Like if Ronda Rousey was around, yeah grand you, you know you you'd say uh she's uh yeah she'd be me hold on elizabeth phillips Beckoya, jessica andraj now that's four good wins in a row so yeah i wouldn't mind uh mind seeing her getting it but um let's let's move on to the couple more fights on the card rafael dos Anjos went in there obviously the ex-ufc lightweight champion and took out neil magny and just uh a very very good display he hit him with a, a low leg kick knocked him down Went in past the guard and just uh, strangled him. What, what, what were your thoughts on his display? Yeah, he made it look easy. He just kind of he just kind of went through Magni and just got him down when he wanted and just dominated from there. And it was it was it was very very good display uh, from RDA. Like he doesn't he doesn't look out of place at all at welterweight. It's, it actually seems to suit him. Um, maybe uh, George Lockhart was his nutritionist or probably still is, and he was saying that his weight cut, Desanios' weight cut to one fifty five is absolutely brutal. Mm-hmm. So, so it's only it's only so long you can do that for without it without it taking effect on you. So I think I think that even though people are kind of taken by surprise by RDA moving to welterweight, I think he's actually worked out really well. From it's actually worked out really well for Cerrone as well. It's it's uh, I don't know what it, if it says what it says about the welterweight division or if it just it just shows how stacked the the lightweight division is. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure what the I didn't really expect. Usually when people step up, you don't expect them to do as well. Like I know I know Cerrone hasn't hasn't been perfect up there, but. RDAs look really good as well, and I, I just wouldn't have expected them to have this this success so quickly and look not have the size advantage uh, that the opponents have be a, much of a factor, if if any of a factor. Yeah, he looked he looked strong last night. You know, Joe Rogan mentioned he looked thick, and when it got, went to the ground, you know, Neil Magny's a big guy, big long, you know, tall guy who's good on the ground, but Dasanya's absolutely destroyed him. I thought his passing was just phenomenal. There was a one stage, I think he was in a half guard, and it looked like he was gonna gonna jump over towards the mount, kind of jump left uh, with, with Magny's back straight on the ground, but he was kind of half went to go left and then went right and got into the side control. It was just absolutely, you know, brilliant stuff altogether. He was very active on top as well, didn't went over and got into the mount. And as Magni tried to try to move, he, he flicked on the uh, the arm triangle and, and choked him out. Do you think he's next for uh, for Tyron Woodley? You know, there isn't that many people in that division, you know, hmm. up there. He, he might, he could be, but he might get a big uh, pie in his face, a freshly baked pie in his face from from the Conor McGregor. Oh, do you think so? Do you think that'll happen? I don't know. Like, I don't think Conor's gonna gonna want to take any perceived backward steps. So, um, 
I think Tyron Woodley would want to fight as well. I think I think he knows that, um, the pay-per-view points would, would be huge there. So uh, I think Nate Diaz, if he sticks to that between 20 and 30 million, some, I think the, I think the UFC might uh, might be like, ah, we're all right, we'll, we'll get somebody else. Yeah, you know, you might be too far off there. Yeah, I don't know. I still think I think McGregor would be smart to stay away from that division until RDA fights him. Hope RDA beats him and then try to fight RDA because <laughs> I think that's a lot of an easy, a lot easier of a fight for him. And I think the UFC would have no problem making that and then making RDA turn around quick to fight McGregor. You know, at welterweight. So yeah, I could see that happening. Wonder Boy's not getting the shot. I don't Robbie Lauder's one win. Dana White was talking about that after his win. Don't think that's happened. Masvidal and Maya, no. Condit's, you know, where's Condit? Cerrone just after losing a while back as well. He's fighting Darren Till. So, yes, I, I, I tend to... It's hard to know. Yeah, I'd give it to RDA. You know, I'd nearly give it to RDA at this stage. Ponzinibbio's, there's... I, RDA versus Ponzinibbio would be a phenomenal fight. I would watch the shit out of that. But, um, yeah, let's let's move on. Henry Cejudo. Let, uh, let me talk about him. He, just a, a utterly brilliant display from Henry Suda. Probably the second best display we've ever seen in that flyweight division, uh, you know, outside of the Demetrius Don- Johnson displays, I suppose. Just looked so, so slick on his feet. He looked good in his last fight as well against uh, against Joseph Benavidez, but I thought he looked even better. Just kind of destroyed Wilson Hayes from the very start. Um was kind of fighting out, fighting out of a karate style. He's been training with the Pitbull brothers, obviously the, the Bellator champions and ex-champions. Um, just looked so slick. I hit Wilson Hayes with a beautiful right hand to knock him out. Uh, obviously, the people around these shores would know Wilson Hayes fought Owen Roddy as well, and he's gone on to big things since then. But how long before Cejudo do you think gets another shot at Mighty Mouse? Can't be long. Well, as you're saying, he's he's improving phenomenally in between each camp uh, since he lost to Demetrius Johnson. I think that was like a kick in the ass that he needed. He probably thought it was maybe just complete speculation, but maybe he already thought he was the best and he, he realised that he really wasn't and he had a lot of work to do. And he seems to pick up stuff really quickly. Like he never used uh, I'm pretty sure he's never used that karate stance before. He looked he looked like he's always been using it. Like he looked so comfortable and he looked so fluid. Um, He was just absolutely murking Wilson Hayes, like... Absolutely murked him. <laughs> yeah, and Wilson Hayes is a good fighter too. Like, make no mistake about that. Yeah, so. he, he just fought for the belt. Like, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's, no, he's no mug. Like, he, he earned that title shot as well. It wasn't no, like he he put put a good streak together, and he's the former Elite XC champion. Like, he absolutely he absolutely ran through him like he was nothing. Yeah. While while we're here, this what did you think of the whole Ray Barge thing? That he obviously the biggest news of the last <laughs> week probably was uh, Barg pulling out of the fight. He said it wasn't relate weight related, or that's the line that came out anyway. Then Ray Barg made a few comments. Yeah, that maybe it was. What, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, it was strange. Um, it's it's it, uh, Borg was saying that it wasn't, uh, or they had no right to speak on his behalf. Uh, yeah. the, the the nutrition was it nutrition or or mm-hmm. weight cutting or whatever it was, and. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really been paying that much close attention to it, but uh, Borg has a bit of a reputation for for missing weight or for pulling out of fights. He's a bit of a bit of an Eamon call. Mm-hmm. I think the bigger issue, though, a lot of people have said it, and I, I kind of mentioned as well that even if it was an illness and if it wasn't weight cutting, 
you're cutting down your body, you know, you're depleting yourself of fluids of, you know, I'm not a doctor, obviously, although, you know, it's hard to tell with the amount of knowledge I have on the subject, but uh, <laughs> you're cutting yourself so down that, like, any sickness in on that week, you can put that down to the weight cutting because your body is fucked up, like, you're just destroying yourself, you know, so we've talked about weight cutting so many times, and I, you, they, need, they need to get rid of it, you know, they need to do something. Why can't every fighter that gets signed to the UFC, they have an evaluation team, they have a nutritionist, the doctor, you know, a matchmaker, and three or four other people, whatever you want, hydration specialists, they, you know, they examine them, they see what size they actually are, their height, their weight on that day when they're fully hydrated, they, they do their body fat, see what, you know, how much weight they can actually get down to while their body fat is, is at a safe rate, you know, and then they put them into a weight class. You know, they keep the weight classes the same way they are. Have them in that weight class. That's your weight class. We don't weigh you before the fights. You fight in that weight class. And when I say don't weigh them before the fights, you don't have to make a weight. Weigh them before every fight and see what weight they're at. So if you're like 125er and you come in and, you know, you're weighing 170 or something, then make a move up a weight class or make a move up two weight classes or whatever. But don't make people cut. Like, cutting weight is such a stupid thing. There's ways There's ways around it. You just, I, I've said this for a while. You, there's no point making different rules and, you know, having certain percentages and all. Get rid of it. You, it. you need to be torn up and something new done. They need to be classed in different ways. Uh, like, uh, it's, it's go someone's going to get killed. Like, people have already been killed over in Asia and stuff. Uh, you know, there's probably a lot of things go on, go on, goes on that we don't hear about. And I just think they need to get rid of it. I think, I think uh, yeah, I think what you're saying will, will be better in the current situation. But, they're, they're, like, if they got together, they could probably work out a system around that or a similar system or... But I think uh, until something really bad happens in the UFC, just to a known, to a known guy, I think uh, I don't think it's at the top of anybody's agenda to to go in and tackle that. Yeah. What, uh, what do you think about Mighty Mouse? Do you think they should make a Borg fight for him again? Do you think it should be Sahuda? <laughs> Obviously, um, oh, uh, Borg fight again. Like I do. Uh, like it's hard to, it's hard it's, it's unfortunate for borg like maybe he was maybe it was unfortunate maybe it was like maybe maybe he did everything right and it was just unfortunate but nobody was clamoring to see the fight in the first place people wanted to see tj uh tj and dj so or tj dillashaw um i'd say he'd probably still go down and, and do it and i think uh it would be a much bigger fight because it would be it would be trying to break the record and it would be a really tough opponent so I think I think money wise it would be wise for for everybody involved to to do the TJ the TJ fight. TJ's fighting Cody Garbrandt now though, and in a, in a few weeks time, and DJ wants to turn around quick and fight again. I I say just give him Borg. I don't think it's fair to put Pettis <laughs> or someone like that in on short notice and give him a fight because the, you have to do what DJ wants. Now maybe he can be convinced, but I think you make the Borg fight again. You know, if he fucks up again in uh, three weeks time or whatever, fair enough. Take. But he's talking about he's been talking in the media about oh he wants to make more money. He wants this. He wants that. You need to, maybe he needs to just sit and wait for for Garbrandt or or but like um, that, that's grand. But how how is he going to make more money out of that? Like he do not he's come out and said the UFC weren't paying him more money. Like would they they were offering him TJ Dillashaw and not giving him any more money. Like why would he take that fight? Know, because you 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 could sell that as he's trying to break the record against this guy who's coming down in weight in weight and he, but he doesn't make pay per view points. He, he's not making pay per view points. I don't think he's he's not going to make any more money out of it. I think he is. He must be on pay-per-view points as a champion. So. Uh, it's not going to sell anyway. Let's be honest. Casual fans will love it. You might get, you know, I might get thirty thousand more buys than what he's getting, even if he is on pay-per-view points. But like, 
that's that's just not selling. People, you know, people. I think I think DJ's got like he's probably the most popular he's ever been because of the whole conflict with Dana White and all that stuff. But yeah, I don't think as you're saying, I don't think the casuals are are, are very interested. But uh, and, and it's a nice storyline like that. Like and people do know TJ from the Ultimate Fighter with Connor and uh, from being a champion himself. And this is assuming TJ. Well, it doesn't really matter if TJ loses to to Garbrandt. That fight still sells. Look, I'd love to, I'd love to see the fight. There, I don't think there's. That's probably in my top five fights in the UFC. Like, I'd l- absolutely love to see it, but can definitely understand. Um, I can definitely understand DJ's stance. Like, if he's not getting paid more, fuck that. Like, why would you take it? Give me, give me Red Borg to beat the, to beat the record and have TJ later on. Maybe if they come in with another offer, I, I see no problem with that. Like, but. Yeah, I suppose that's a discussion for another day. Anyway, let's get to a few more fights to hear before we move on. Um, Ilir Latifi uh, against Tyson Pedro. I was very disappointed with Tyson Pedro. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm a big, I'm high in him, but this was a very, very disappointing display. Even though Ilir, look, giving Ilir Latifi credit, he did well. But Tyson Pedro, too many kicks, not enough jabs, not enough setups became very easy to read very very easy to take down i think john kavanagh tweeted that you know he he has all the tools and he can be a very very good fighter if he you know if he doesn't take too much damage and stuff i i totally agree with that i think he definitely has all the tools he's one of the best athletes at the higher weights in the ufc i think but and he's he's fighting out of jackson's now i think he's trying a little bit maybe to be too much too kind of john jonesy trying to throw not with enough of a set game plan you know, if you know what I mean, like throwing those kicks high, leaning down, kind of Dominic Cruz style. Uh, you know, throwing lazy leg kicks without setting them up, letting Latifi catch him and put him down. I, I thought it was a very disappointing display there, but I definitely, I wouldn't write him off. I definitely think he has the skills. I don't know if he'll be a champion, but to get definitely up to the top five or so. Um, uh, Latifi credit as well. I know you're a big fan of uh, Ilir Latifi. Do you think he was good? Yeah, I think he had a good game plan, and he he kind of shut down Pedro's game. But uh, Pedro is also like you know seven fights into his career, it's his first loss. Like uh, a lot of times when guys lose, they they close certain holes that have been exposed in their game, and they look much improved for it. So uh, I definitely wouldn't write him off yet. He's got as as you were saying, and as John was saying, he's got all the the ability. He's got all the tools to to become a, a top fighter, and it's, it's early days for him in his career. Like. Uh, Latifi is like an experienced veteran who's who's got an awkward style and is extremely strong and relentless. So uh, I'm sure Pedro will learn from from the the holes or the holes in his game that uh, Latifi exposed and be much better. And um, Jackson's obviously Jackson Wink is obviously a really good uh, gym, and I'm sure they'll they'll come back and uh, he'll, he'll fight better next time. He he did he did kind of look something looked off with him. He didn't look like he like his last fight before this was so much more fluid or he just he just looked off mm-hmm. it, was, it was strange yeah maybe there was something um, wrong and maybe he had a little injury or he was maybe, maybe he just didn't show how a bad day at the office like you know yeah uh i know you have a lot of thoughts on Gilbert Mendez and this the whole new like, calf kicks don't you yeah yeah <laughs> well I, I always thought they were underutilized because they're so effective yeah, you, you, who uh, Mark Dia Casey? You were talking to him, aren't you? He in his last fight, that's basically what uh, what beat yeah, him. And in, in yeah, the... remember, you had to keep changing stances, and I think mm-hmm. um, I think the same was with um, Michael Chandler lost his belt uh, to Brent Primus. He he also 
his leg went dead from being kicked in the calf. And I think uh, Benson Henderson used it real well when he was champion in, in the UFC. Um, and it, uh, fighters aren't used to taking them kicks. They're used to taking the kicks uh, just above the knee and maybe just below the knee. But they're just in that calf kick seems to they're not conditioned to take them. Um, and when you when you use it well, it can it can throw a guy off and it can it can take his legs from under him. Like Gil Melendez was was falling to his back. He was trying to take weight off, but he was. Uh, Switching stances and he, he took him out of his game. He had to he had to battle that as well as the opponent in the fight. It's a it's a real equalizer, like because literally a, a worse fighter can beat a better fighter, like Bryn Primus against Michael Chandler, by just injuring them. You know, you take one of their wheels away. They can't walk. They can't fight. You know that that literally. I think that happened with D. A. Casey as well. Now the holds a dracar close, so he's a good fighter now. In fairness, but I think like if you were to put skill for skill, I think D. A. Casey's definitely a better fighter. You know, it's. It's a way of beating someone. I think it's very, very smart. There's also a thing as well, when you kick low, you know, what? Oh, it's very hard for the opponent to do anything. Now, if you're kicking them on the on the tie, like we see most leg kicks, you can check those leg kicks, not, not easily, but if you check one really bad, you can hurt someone, you can hurt the guy that's throwing it very, very badly. You know, we saw with Anderson Silva breaking his leg. But this, it's harder, because what are you supposed to do with it? If you try to check it, he's just going to kick you on the shin or he's going to kick you a little bit higher on the knee, you know, and, and it's going to be kind of on the side. You're not going to catch him fl flush and, and hurt his leg that badly. Or if you pull over, he's just going to kick under you and it makes no difference anyway. You know, so even, you know, it's very, very hard to defend. You kind of have to change stances or you just have to jump over it every time. That's getting yourself off balance. That leaves you up and up high as well. And, and you know, it stops your foot movement from, from getting out of the pocket uh, and, uh, you know, and getting away from the, the oncoming strikes after. And I think Jeremy Stevens did very well to keep going and to add things onto it as well. I thought his hands were looked very, very good. Obviously, Melinda's tried to take him down maybe at one stage as well. He and he and he didn't do it. And uh when when Gil kind of came back after getting his leg hurt and put on the pressure, I think Stevens did very, very well. I was very impressed with with Stevens' display, like all heart from Gil or Melinda's one hundred percent. But I think Stevens' game plan, which was just brilliant and he fought fought extremely well. Um a lot of people saying Jeremy Stevens versus Jose Aldo. Give me some of that. What do you think? Yeah, another just another thing on that uh, the leg kick thing. I think um, yeah. John Jones shows how effective like all sorts of leg kicks can be. And mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of MMA guys are stuck just not stuck, but they they only throw the the old school Muay Thai leg kicks. Yeah. When when I think it's been it's, there's a lot of evidence out there to say this is extremely effective. Like John Jones against Daniel Cormier just recently. He he really he he really battered Cormier's legs. Like Cormier just like kind of walked through it, but like you know Cormier's a it was really determined in that fight. I think uh, I think afterwards he might have been limping around like because uh, John Jones was, was just hyperextending his knees constantly. Like them them hyperextension kicks and them low calf kicks are just massively underutilized. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's a big problem with the, with the uh, the scrap pack as well. You know, we saw it with Nate Diaz in the second McGregor fight. We've seen it with uh, Nick Diaz before, especially against Anderson Silva. He kicked up his leg. You know, we, there's this clip going around with Nick Diaz. You know, talking about leg kicks as well. Uh, Artem Lobov did it to, to Chris Avila. Now I know he's Chris Avila is maybe not up there with the other lads, obviously, but it, it's happened. It happened to Melinda's in his last fight as well, didn't it, uh, Barbosa? So yeah, it's, you know, that's definitely something they have to. Um, they have to work around, I think, and uh, you know, as you said, they're a very effective, uh, a very effective technique. What do you think about Gil? I, I liked him at one forty-five. I thought he he looked good. Uh, maybe just a little bit past his prime now. I think is more than you know. He's probably more than anything. See, it's so hard to know because, as as you say, like he kind of had his one of his one of his uh, 
legs taken taken mm. early like and he was kind of struggling against that and against Stevens the whole time so it was it was it was hard to tell what he looked like at 145 out of that fight because he was he was kind of hamstrung from the start Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, a couple of things from the undercard. I thought the occasion Johnson looked very good. Got a big, uh, big KO win there in, in the third round after an even enough fight with Adriana Martins. Uh, Arjan Buller, uh, the Indian Canadian Indian, came in. He looked good, but I wasn't. I wasn't hugely impressed with him to be honest. Maybe uh, was octagon nerves in, in his first fight. Luis Enrique is not a great fighter, and I think if you know. He hurt him at once as well, Enrique. He could have, could have won it, but well, he couldn't have won it. Now that that's been a bit unfair, but he he had his moments, and I think if you're a, you know, if you're a top prospect coming in, I think you should be putting away guys like that. Um, didn't use maybe his wrestling enough. That's something kind of, uh, you know, with Nunes and Shevchenko as well, uh, and, and in title fights and in big fights like that. I think if you have the wrestling, you should use it, you know. And uh, and uh, he obviously has a Daniel Carmi was talking about. It. He trains with him as well, and he wasn't using enough for me. His hands. Look, his hands look good. His head movement look good, but very kind of predictable. And that's definitely something that can improve. I think what he's only like six, six or seven fights into his career, and uh, he can definitely improve. But the people coming on, you know, a lot of people saying he he's a star in the making and all. I, I'd hold up that trend now a little bit. Obviously, he, you know, it could be a big big deal in India and everything like that. But uh, I'm, you know, he's not a guy that comes in to me like a Francis Ngannou or like whoever else, you know, and you see his first fight and, and you think he's a future champion. He's not that guy now. He could be a guy, you know, like any multitude of guys who come in, look good, and then improve, improve, improve. Like Henry Cejudo, you know, he could be that guy, uh, but uh, definitely not on Saturday night for me. Uh, so it hold a roll on that one a little bit. Um, Sarah Marais is well making a comeback. He got a beautiful armbar against Ashley Evans. I thought uh, she actually pulled guard in that. They called it a takedown at the time. She pulled guard very, very well. Got Evan Smith there. Uh, he used her guard brilliantly and uh, and got the armbar. And then <laughs> the exact opposite of that was Sarah McMahon. You, you saw that fight, didn't you? What, what did yeah. you think of McMahon off her back? How, how brilliant yeah, was it? Um... Vieira, like in fairness to her, um, like it, it didn't look good for her in the first round. She, oh. she uh, looked like um, Sarah McMahon was just going to do what Sarah McMahon always does, but when when she wins anyway. But um, she stuck in there like she's very. She was throwing her legs up constantly. She she never kind of like uh, gave McMahon a, a moment, even even when she was on her back. She was always trying. So uh, I think I think McMahon is just a. She, she just just. She hasn't really taken to MMA like like people expected her to. I don't know. Ever 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 putting it together to be honest yeah. uh, in MMA. I thought she was improving her last couple of fights. Like I thought she was throwing her hands better to set up takedowns and stuff in her last few fights, but she was doing it again a little bit in this one. But she's just so many deficiencies. Like I, I thought she was improving an awful lot, but this fight is just another two or three steps back for her. You know, I still think on her day, if she comes out with a good game plan, she can beat most people. If she if it goes her whole way, uh, I think we have a question later on about her being a front runner, and I think yeah, that's. That's the thing that if she dominates someone, she can beat anyone. But if she doesn't, you know, she if you take her out of her uh, her comfort zone, I think you can beat her. She looked like a fish up a tree went on her back. Like she looked absolutely, <laughs> absolutely horrendous. Like she didn't know what she was doing at all. And she got, you know, she got she, Sage and Arcotted, um head and arm choke from the wrong side. Although Vieira's done that before, I believe. So maybe she, you know she's a tight squeeze. And McMahon is well built as well in that area, so that that wouldn't help as well. But yeah, as someone who has uh, championed McMahon. Um, like I believe, like 
she's you know she reminds me a little a bit of and, and not obviously not as good but a bit of a Damian Maya in that division you know who if you were put him put him or her skill for skill with everyone else in that division you know they wouldn't you wouldn't put them probably in the top ten but their one skill is way better than in than everyone else's in you know in that area in the division I think McMahon is a little bit like that but she doesn't have that killer instinct that that Damian Maya has or that ability to control and keep controlling keep taking people down uh, you know until he gets obviously to the top level but yeah you, you know credit as well to Vieira she kept going wasn't very impressed with her either to be honest her striking didn't look great uh, she looked sloppy enough to me but yeah very disappointed in, uh, for McMahon um, Mitch Clark obviously retired as well after Alex White looking forward to Mitch Clark's next fight after retirement uh, Rich, <laughs> <laughs> Rich Glenn against Gavin Tucker as well I know you watched that one should the towel have been thrown in yeah, I think I think so. I think uh, the ref really should have stopped it a few times, especially when you're you're already way behind on the fight. This is like a ten eight, ten seven probably. Should it should be a ten seven round it's, with thirty seconds to go? There's just no hope that he's going to win that decision, and there's no he just didn't have the energy or the he was just getting smashed like so badly that he, I think his corner probably should have should have thrown in the towel. Yeah, there's I no know. coming back from it. Like, uh, yeah. well, like, there's you never know, but like, it's just it's so it's so slim. Like, it's so slim. Lift the, yeah, lift he's, the he's, fight he's like, you know, yeah. he's only ten fights or eleven fights into his career, whatever he is. Yeah, I know he's. I think he's thirty three or something. But I agree with you. He's young in the MMA years. You know, he's he's still working his way up there. Like, leave to fight another day. Like, uh, a, a defeat at this stage of his career means nothing. But him getting the head beat off him for no, an extra six seven minutes, that could finish him literally. And we've seen him with guys. They don't come back the same. Look at Anthony Pettis. How long it took him to come back. Yeah. Weidman and, hasn't looked the same since that Rocco yeah. beating as well. Yeah, he hasn't. Like it, it happens all the time. Look at guys like Terry Adam, a very very good fighter. He, you know, we've hardly even seen him since that that uh, big KO against uh, against. So didn't, he, uh, didn't, he, like, didn't he have like an incident where he had to be mm-hmm. like arrested for his own safety or something in yeah. in Liverpool? I think. Yeah, it's such, you know, it's it's no laughing matter. I, I, I look. I think they should have thrown in the towel 100% in the third and the referee should have stopped it 100% as well earlier. I think they, I wouldn't have let him out for the third round to be honest. I think he'd taken well enough. Uh, and I know it's tough for him but fair enough between rounds but you tell him go out you have another minute if you don't I'm throwing in the towel and they are allowed to throw in the towel as well. You know that but God, it, it was just it was hard to watch I thought. Uh, look we've there's been a lot of uh a lot of bad things about the Edmonton um, Athletic Commission as well. That's obviously where Tim Haig died in, a, I think it was in a boxing match a few weeks ago. And, you know, there's been a lot, obviously a lot of talk about that. We discussed it a while back on, on the thing. And, you know, for a referee in that commission especially to let a fight go that much after someone died there in a combat sports match, what, two, six weeks, two months ago or something like that. Uh, I thought it, it was very, very dodgy now. And, and uh, if I was the UFC or any big promotion, I wouldn't be too quick going back to, going back to Edmonton again. Uh, but look, as well, credit to Rick Glynn, look very good. World Series of Fighting, never die. You know, very, very impressive. And uh, he's definitely one that's that's climbing up the rankings there. You know? World Series of Fighting, never die. Is that the first yeah. time anybody's ever said that? No, I said it like three times more. I'm just starting this up. I'll, you know, it's, it's on me. Uh, before we get to next week's UFC card, I believe there's a couple of uh, Irish fighters fighting on, on Bama and uh, are the Cage Warriors coming up. Tell us about it, Graham. Yeah, yeah, Cage Warriors 86. Uh, Darren O'Gorman's fighting uh, Brian Boland. And um, Joe McCoggins fighting uh, Sean Sexy Curls Carter. Uh, oh, that's a good fight. Yeah, teammate of uh, Jack McGuire and uh, the Gypsy Jiu Jitsu <laughs> squad. John McGuire. Uh, the pin- 
John Maguire. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. What did I say? <laughs> is Jack Maguire the lad from Cork? Or is he... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, Gail Grimond is actually making a return as well uh, against Lewis Long. He's not Irish, obviously, but that, mm. that's a that's a good fight in that card as well. And the main event is uh, Nathaniel Wood and Josh Reed. Well, that's good Josh Reed is an undefeated Welsh uh, fighter. He's seven and zero, and uh, Wood looks really, really good in his mm-hmm. last fight. He's, I think he's he's eleven and three, but he's he he just looked to have taken a serious serious strides in his last couple, like uh, beating Vaughn Lee handily and beating um, Kov Kovac Itch. I don't know, I butcher all these names, but uh, he looked really, really good. He looked he looked uh, real fluid and loose, and he looks he looks to have made a. Big strides, so I think that that'll be an interesting fight. It's a good test for both guys. And then on um, Bama, there's a I don't think there's any Irish on the Bama card, but there's a uh, two titles on the line. Uh, Damian Lapalus is defending his uh, featherweight belt against Daniel Crawford, and Yannick Bahahi is uh, defending his uh, middleweight belt against Mike Shipman. Both in London, um, Friday and Saturday night. Bama on Friday, Cage Warriors on Saturday. Yannick Bahati is a good man for tagging Severe and Main stuff on Instagram. He's always at it. Yeah, I know. It's really he does it on Twitter as well. It's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. I like it. Fair play. Uh, yeah, but uh, um, Nathaniel Reed. For me, I think he's the best prospect in Europe. I think he's absolutely very, you know, very very good. Hundred thirty five. I think after he's been the UFC, if he wins, uh, I think he's he's that good. Definitely. Um, Joe McCulligan as well. Very looking forward to seeing that. Obviously, beat Peter Quigley a while back. Has what? I think he, is he three and one since since that. Yeah, he's uh, three, three and one now at the moment. Um, yeah. And obviously, uh, Sean Sexy Curls Carter is uh, much more experienced. But yeah. um, I think uh, Joe McCulligan obviously had an extensive and fought uh, extensive and amateur record. He fought some really tough guys. So I think uh, I think his record is uh, doesn't really show him what experienced he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this week as well we announced obviously over in Severe Med that uh, Brian um, Brian Moore is back as well against Andre uh, Congalves over in uh, uh, Bellator in, in Dublin in uh, what is it November 10th or something like that good to see Brian I've, I read Brian very very highly I think Bellator were smart picking him up a couple of fights going you know I gave give um, what's his name Daniel Daniel Veitchel a very very tough fight well a tough fight for a round anyway until he you know he got caught and, and got taken down and, and finished but his second fight then very impressive as well got a huge finish and I think this is another uh, big fight from obviously he's a big experience um, uh, advantage over the guy he's fighting but if he can pick up the win there you know he, he'll be rising like, rising through the ranks and I like he he lives and breathes fighting you know you see it on his social media all the time I think uh I'm really looking forward to seeing him fight. And I think he, you know, he's kind of leaving, leading the wave now, along with James Gallerns off of the new, you know, kind of the new breed come up. Obviously, he's been there, uh, you know, a long time as well. Um, took a, took a while off fighting and came back, but yeah, another obviously one guy on SPG fighting uh, from Wexford. And looking forward to that. I, I suppose that card is, is still lining up, um, and hopefully we can break another few fights. Jude Samuel, if you're listening, give us a ring. We break him on the podcast next week. Thanks very much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on to next week's uh, UFC card. And, uh, you know, it's pretty good. Uh, you've uh, Gilbert Durino, uh, Gilbert Burns is on the undercard. Luke Sanders, Becky Lynch's boyfriend is on the undercard against Philippe Arantes. Chris Afjaco against Uriah Hall. Anthony Hamilton is there. Uh, Olivier Von Bercier and a few more. Cameron Usman as well. You know, welterweight on the absolute rise. Gregor Gillespie, the, the fisherman from Australia, is back lightweight. Hector Lombard's fighting Anthony Spade. A few good, few good fights there. Um, but let, let's talk about the top two. Mike Perry against Thiago Alves. 
that that's that could be an iffy fight for my Perry. I know Perry has been knocking dudes out senseless, and I know Thiago Alves, you know, has he has been um you know, he's been caught once or twice in his uh, in his career, uh, especially, you know, I think it was, was it Carlos Condes that, that knocked him out there a while back. Um, you know, I think that's that's a tough enough fight for um, for um, Mike Perry. I'm looking forward to that. Who who do you see winning? Yeah, um, it's a tough one. As you say, I, I kind of thought uh, a couple of years ago that, or even more recently, that Thiago Alves had kind of plateaued and he wasn't going to get any better. But then in his last fight, he actually he looked he looked. Uh, like he'd improved, so uh, Mike Perry's kind of he's willing to slug, and I think I think Jago um, Alves is willing to slug as well. So this could be a really really good fight. Um, I'd probably go with Perry. He's taken less damage over the years, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Alves landed a lot of leg kicks and um, and edged out a decision. Alves fights out of ATT, doesn't he? Alves, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if he did a similar thing to Nunes did. Try to try to wear uh, Perry out a little bit, maybe do a bit, a little bit of a, a Darren Woodley leg kick. You know, stay on the outside, let Perry whiff a lot of shots, maybe miss him, weather the storm. Whitley gets tired and finish him in the last round, something like that. Round three, TKO Tiago Alves. Yeah, I, I could see it. I, I'd probably, I'd, if I had a free bet on uh, same odds, I'd probably go Perry, just less yeah, damage would. and stuff. But but, uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, no, it's a definitely a really good fight and could be a, could be a really exciting one as well. At, uh, World Series of Fighting again never die. David Branch is in the uh, in, <laughs> in the main event against my boy. Well, not my boy, Luke Rockhold, the, the about fourteen weight World Series of Fighting champion David Branch. Um, oh, I'm looking forward to this one. You know, Branch Branch is an interesting guy. He came in against Christoph Jocko, not the best fight in the world. You know, he he plays the long game as well, over five rounds. It's going to be hard, I know, to take Rockhold down if he do, if it does get to the ground. I think he's very good there. I think Branch is a long fighter as well, plays the long game. I think Rockhold plays the long game as well. I'm very interested to see how their how their abilities actually match up. You know, Rockhold as well has been out for a good while, hasn't fought since he got knocked out by by Bisping, I believe. And uh, you know, when a guy like him who's had his injuries and stuff in the past. He's been out, you know, been out of competition for that long. You know, be kind of been out of practice as well. It's June 2016 since he last fought. So what? Coming up to, coming up to 18 months or something like that, or a little bit less. You know, that's that's going to be. I think it's going to be tough for him. You know, David Branch has been, you know, he's been fighting an awful lot. He's fought what three times since then, and and fought around that time as well. So I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, I think I, I I like Dave Branch, but I think I think Rockhold's top control and is is just going to be too much if, if it goes there. I think it's striking. Yeah, I think he has the edge everywhere to be honest. But as you say, he's been out for a while, so maybe he'll be a bit rusty. And it's 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 a uh, it's not exactly like he's a former champion. It was kind of a shock loss to Bisping. It's it's a nice fight for him to come back to as, as good as Branch is. It's it's not. Um, I don't. I think uh, Rockhold probably win the fight wherever he wants. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Rockhold, he's a little bit better than him everywhere. But, I, I, you know, as I was saying, you know, I just think it's it's the fact he's been out um, for a while and, and coming back in. You know, interesting to see how he says. I, I, look, if, if you were to give me, you know, gun to the head, I'd definitely pick uh, pick Rockhold. But, yeah, looking forward to that. I look out for my, my picks during the week. Quick picks will probably be out around uh, Wednesday or Thursday. So, uh, right, before we get on to the questions, I mentioned it earlier on, Cerrone against Till. UFC Gdansk main event. Do you think it's a little bit too soon for for Darren Till, or do you like the matchup? Um, 
Yeah, no, I like the matchup actually. I think I think it'll be good. I think um it's gonna be it's gonna be a really exciting fight as well. It's gonna be a like it'll it'll start off as a striker match. I think if it starts going uh going wrong for Cerrone, he'll he'll be able to uh mix in takedowns or he'll at least attempt attempt to mix in takedowns anyway, um and test Darren Hill there as well. So I think it's a really good test of, of Darren Hill and if you can beat Cerrone then he, he he's really He's really been knocking on the door of a title shot, so uh, we're going to learn a lot about him here. Um, if Cerrone wins, people will just say, ah, Darren Till wasn't ready, so it, it's, a, it's a ballsy fight for Cerrone to take, but I suppose he just takes any fight because he's a maniac. Yeah, I, I think this will be the first test of whether Till can actually come out and have a different game plan, you know, like like we were discussing last week, and I'm still not sure about it. I, I'd be leaning Cerrone at this stage, but I don't, but I don't think by any means it's you know, it's a foregone conclusion. I think this is the sort of fight and the sort of camp that you'll have to be preparing for. And I, he doesn't have that long. It's not that far away. Is it? It's only like, what, five weeks away or something like that? It's, it's not that far away anyway. But, you know, if he can take his game and he's, you know, he's game planning to the next level, you know, we could, this could be the birth of a star. But um, I suppose we'll see. All right, let's get to the questions. Um, before we do that, check out our, our good friend John Sheehan over john-sportstraight.com check him out at John Sportstraits on, on Twitter I believe we'll have something coming from John this week so keep an eye out for that uh, as I said john-sportstraits.com he does loads of illustrations different designs and stuff you know has, has done work for us before in the size up has worked for um, Bleacher Report BT Sport Air Sport different things like that uh, doing uh, illustrations and designs so check him out over there Right, let's get to the questions. Um, Mr. Podge, at one, Mr. Podge, friend of the podcast, great man, Mr. Podge, thanks for all the questions, always. Is a move to 125 now inevitable for Shevchenko? Um, I'm not sure what her weight cut's like. Um, I don't know if she overshot or she overshot it a little bit or if, if she just her walk-around weight. If it's a walk-around weight, then I wouldn't be surprised. But as you were saying like uh, earlier about weight cutting, I don't, I don't think cutting a lot of weight is a great idea for anybody, really. Yeah, I think she's made it before now, and I think if that division was there, she'd probably go down. And I think she can make it okay. It'd be interesting to see how she actually does make it. But yeah, uh, I agree. I think look, she's lost to the champion twice now. I think that's probably, you know, probably the best place for her to go. Uh, Noblar at Nobs Eleven asked the cooler discuss. Yeah, the cooler kind of did come back all right this week a little bit uh, with McMahon and Pedro. <laughs> Little bit, although I, I did pick, uh, I did pick Jeremy Stevens to pick Giblert Melendez. Uh, you picked Giblert last week, I believe. So, what is yeah. the cooler? Do you think the cooler is alive and well? You had a bad streak at the, uh, when I started doing the podcast with you, but uh, I think it's evened out a bit more as it's gone on. I think MMA is so unpredictable, it's hard to get it's hard to get uh, everything right, as you say. Like, uh, there's so much to worry about, and so many weapons that can be used and as like stuff like calf kicks we were talking about can can disable your your leg and stuff like that so uh yeah poor mark tkz i got him a loss let's be honest there but um tom murphy asked t murphy e t morph e uh love to know your opinion on cm punk fighting again in the ufc and ronda joining joining wwe are you interested in seeing punk fight again i i want to see punk fight again look give him one more look it's not hurting anyone it's not taking away anyone's place uh i've absolutely no problem seeing him do it again ronda rousey joining the wwe look i think I, i'm i'm a WWE, wwe fan i wouldn't mind seeing it i think a lot of people would mind i don't think the ufc fans would mind that much you know i'd love to see her back in the ufc to be honest i'd love to see her fighting again but i don't think that's gonna happen well what are your take on doing him um yeah cm punk uh, i'm not really bothered either way like i'm i'm not one of these people that's outraged that he's has a spot in the ufc or anything but i just i have i'm, I'm not like clamoring to see him 
uh, fight somebody else. Yeah. Uh, Ronda, yeah, I don't watch pro wrestling, so it doesn't affect me either way if, if Ronda's in pro wrestling or not. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, obviously, you can get our questions in at SevereMMPod. You can send them as well. Email uh, SevereMMPod at gmail.com. Here's one from Harry Powell. Uh, afternoon, gents. Maybe not a question for the podcast. Well, it is. It's, you got. You made it, Harry. Uh, time to finish. But I wondered how you would both get into MMA, how you both got into MMA journalism, and how, what would your advice uh for people trying to do the same graham oh, um I basically just started a website and um run shit it was very hard to find information on irish mma and i just decided to start a website and i basically learned on the job um i don't know if i'd even consider myself a journalist but um i don't have a journalism degree or anything like that so yeah i just basically started a website and then started writing shite and got better over time and I'm still shy. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of, I got asked to write something. I was thinking about like doing a blog or something. Someone asked me to write for their, I was actually over in Steffi Daniels um, uh, chatting her show, like what was it, like seven or eight years ago now maybe. And I was like, oh, I might start doing a blog. Just like put up pics and stuff, like not none big. And one of the lads asked me to write, then Dan, Dan uh, Rose asked me to write for his website and that. Kind of just came from there. I wrote a thing about Neil Siri, and then you rang me up, haranguing me to come and write for Severe MMA. And then I did, and just kept on and stuff after that. Advice for people, I think uh, it's, it's weird to say it, but uh, everyone says it. But try to, be, try to be different, try to do different things, or try to do the same things better. I think there's no problem doing the same things. Like if you want to do a preview, do it, but do it well. Do it a little bit different, you know. Do like me with my facts I do all the time, like the useless fact of the day. People like shit like that, you know. They like if you have a different kind of take on things or if you do different things. Even something stupid like no CC things people aren't doing. Like I used to always tweet out the, the start times. Even something small like that. People follow you and stuff like that on Twitter and on different places because you do that. Then everyone else started doing it because they saw me doing it, you know just do things like that recently i've started doing um tweeting out like who's on the commentary team and if they're the newer old rules and nobody else has been doing that i guarantee you everyone else will start doing that so like if you can do things like that people will come to you for it first and if you have it before everyone else you know you can keep doing it so i, I think things like that but like that's how you kind of build and grow online and stuff social media just you know right it's very hard i think to, to do opinion stuff straight away. I think you need to do, you know, learn your trade. You know, you're, you're not going to go in there and get paid straight away or you're not going to go in there and do opinion pieces straight away. You know, you need to do breaking news stories, you know, write a 150 word piece about Ray Bar pulling out, you know, small things like that. Start up, start your own blog, blog. email Graham uh, <laughs> and harangue him say you want to do that. Every time there's a breaking news story, send Graham an email and prove that you can do it. You know, or, or to whoever else. You know, that's how you do it. I think you you work at it. You you try hard and you show that you can can do the job and you show you've experienced doing it and you want to do it. So that'd be my advice. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point about the people. A lot of the time, send me in opinion pieces and they haven't ever written for MMA websites or they have no name in MMA, so nobody cares about your opinion unless you kind of earn. You kind of have to earn it first. So, like writing breaking news articles, like you're saying, like stuff like that, is is a good way to get your name out there on Twitter and uh, be on Twitter and do like as you're saying, just just post useful information for people, and people will follow you. Like it doesn't it doesn't take much for somebody to click a follow button, and uh, you just build it up over time, and just you just have to put the hard work in as well. A lot of people 
say they want to write and they can write and they send you example articles and you're like great and then you're at, you, some, some story breaks and you ask them to write an article and they're like oh i can't do it tonight or can't do it tomorrow or you know they, they just don't they think they want they think they want to do it they think it sounds glamorous but it, it's mm -hmm. not glam it's not really that glamorous <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's that six week patch when you were over in America there where I had to run the website that was not that was not glamorous editing is actually the world like editing a website and doing stuff like that 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 takes a skill in itself I think that, <laughs> I think it's just you go fucking spare from doing that like I think but yeah that was that was are you you know you could do it different as well you could just go and buy 20,000 followers and uh, steal articles from other people and just put them up you could do it that way as well Clickbait, that's the way forward, clickbait, everybody's doing it. <laughs> yeah, everybody's doing that, uh, you can have the latest news. But uh, Nick Ildea asks, why are MMA corners so reluctant to throw in the towel for their own fighters? Yeah, it's a strange one, it's, it's more prevalent than boxing for people throwing in towels. Um, I don't know, maybe because it's so rare, it's a strange one. Like Nick yeah. Diaz threw in the tail for an eight, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Well, the corner definitely threw it in, anyway. Yeah, like people have stopped him in between rounds and stuff as well. You know, I know it's actually not throwing in the towel, but you know, it's the same thing pulling out your fighter. Yeah, uh, like some places actually don't allow it, but I think you can actually do it. Where, like if you throw in the towel, they're gonna, you know, gonna stop the fight. What are they gonna do? Like, so I think they should. But I think it's just I, I watched this weird, weirdly. I watched uh, Brendan Shaw did a video with uh, Paddy Hoolan, or I saw a clip of it. And Paddy Hoolan says, "What gets you into the, what gets you into MMA, is the reason that you can't get out of it, or something like that." You know, and, and he was talking about obviously he was made made retire and things, but like he he was saying that he if he wasn't made retire, he'd be fighting until he was you know forty five and you know twenty and five twenty and twenty two or something, you know, like that. But uh, like I think a lot of the people train them like don't give up. That that's what they put into their fight and never give up. And then you give up for them. Like do you want? I think that's their thinking now. The thinking should be he's given all you know he has done everything he can done he's only taking damage it's only getting worse that should be the thinking there but you know it, it, that is tough i'm not gonna lie you know it's tough but i think you uh, we're, we're rating these corners they're ufc they're the top in the world and i think you know you should be looking after your fighter and pulling them out in, in that situation for me uh Amy mclean asked any word in joe duffy and chad mendez as long as he uh on his suspension he asked do we think to see Carlos Honda back John Duffy signed a new contract didn't he with the UFC I haven't there's been rumours of him fighting James Vick I'm not sure if that's actually happening yeah, there's or not been yet. reports of it anyway um, yeah I think uh, it looks like it's going to be James Vick next for him yeah wouldn't mind seeing that uh, Mendez not, not sure I think he's another few months left or maybe a year uh, Carlos Carlos Honda was back training there recently so I don't know if that's just to keep fit or to come and fight again but I, I'd like to see Carlos Honda retire I think he's done enough. I still think he's a lot to give. If he came back, he'd be brilliant. But he's taken a whole lot of damage, put on some brilliant, exciting fights. I don't think he's anything left to prove. You know, I, he was he was a UFC interim champion, fair enough. But he's never been a you know full champion. He should have won that fight against Robbie Lawler, in my opinion. But yeah, I'd love to see a guy like him walk away now. To be honest, when guys get back in the gym, it's it's not really an indication though of of. Are they back or not? Because these guys will probably end up, even if they were to stay retired, will probably end up uh, training just because they enjoy it and they want to stay fit and all that stuff. And they have friends in the gym and all that as well. But um, yeah, I can I can see why people would, would want Carlos Connor to retire. But if he wanted to, if, like he said, he's retired. Obviously, 
we all know like it's, it's extremely rare that the first time a guy retires that he actually stays retired so uh i'd expect to see him back uh coach thomas at tom underscore tom underscore asked about marais saying uh she was glad she dislocated evan smith's arm I think it was a joke. Uh, I was look. If you want to get mad about it, fair enough. I understand your position, but I'm not going not going to get mad about. It. I think it was it was funny, like, and it was it was savage, like it was. It, but look, yeah, I know. I understand where he's coming from, alright, but I'm not going to get mad about it. Farrell Conley asked about Jimmy Manoa maybe on being on the Gadans card. No, I haven't heard about that. Would mind seeing him on it though. Johnny Bourne asked about um, Darren Till in the main event. Yeah, we spoke about that. You know, it could be sorry if he wins that uh, 100%. Ian McLean asked predictions for these. What you doing? I'll throw them at you, Graham. So quickly RDA versus Woodley. Ah, uh, Woodley. Woodley. Um, McGregor versus RDA. McGregor. Uh, okay, yeah, that wasn't even the question, but that's the one I answered. <laughs> Thanks, Eamon. Uh Immediate rematch for for Valentina Johnny asked. Yeah, we discussed it earlier. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that. It would be it would be okay. Um, Donald Gillas. It's a recent batch of boring main events, a consequence of general rise in the standard of fighter skills in the UFC. I, you know what I think it is. That that's from at Donald Sean Gill. I think it is, and it's we mentioned it earlier. It's the rise of um, game plans. Um, you know, better game plans, and when you have two extremely skilled people against each other, it's it's it can be like that sometimes. You know, we see with a lot of fights now. I think when you're talking about the rise, if if Shevchen- or if Nunes had just done this Nunes and Shevchenko, I think people wouldn't really be giving out about it. But the fact Tyron Woodley has done it a couple of times, I think it is, and I think he is maybe more of an exception than anything, and he's the one having boring fights. So I didn't really find this boring, to be honest, but you know, I think people were, were just down on it a, a little bit. Yeah, I didn't find um, it boring either. Yeah, <laughs> Andy Hall at Bootneck. Andy, friend of the podcast. Thanks, Andy, for the questions. Uh, hypothetical. I'll do this one. So, champions who win? Steeper versus Jones. Um, Jones, I think. Cyborg, Nunes. I think Cyborg. Nunes, JJ. Uh, God, I think Nunes is just too big for Woodley Bisping. I think Woodley knock him out. Garbrandt, DJ. God. Garbrandt's not that big, is he? Hmm. I, I don't know. I want to see Garbrandt against TJ. I'll go DJ at this stage, but in another month, I might change that. McGregor Holloway. Um, geez, that's a good fight. Holloway's improved so much since the first fight. God, that's a tough one. I still think I'd go McGregor. I just think he's, his power is too much, especially if it's down there. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, actually, over five rounds. What do you think, McGregor Holloway? I think McGregor. I think McGregor's boxing is going to be going to be shield. That's all you are. Fuck's sake. Going to be even better. Call when yourself a journalist there earlier on. Fuck's sake. I was saying I wasn't actually, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, one or two more before we go. Uh, Nick Aldea, as someone who's never watched one FC, what has Ben Askren really like? Is there a reason he's never been in the UFC? What do you think, Grant? I know you have a lot of opinions on Ben Askren. Um, yeah, Dana White, Dana White and him never really got on, and um, Dana White isn't clamoring. He's never been clamoring to to sign boring wrestlers as as he'd see it, as, as he'd see it. Um, yeah, Ben Askren, it's kind of a it's kind of a waste because. Uh, it would have been interesting to see see if, if if he can kind of he's kind of a throwback, you know. He's he's just a grappler. He, he can't really strike at all, and he knows he can't really strike at all, so he doesn't bother striking. So he just he's like Demi Maya in that way. He just is relentless with his uh, with his with his grappling. So it, uh, it would have been interesting. I, like I, I think I think if he came up against somebody like Demi Maya in the UFC, though, he 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 just get beaten. 
yeah, Woodley destroy him as well. I'd be interested to see. Not, it's probably not going to happen. I was probably too late. But if he'd gone to the UFC three or four years ago and he'd lost, how would he improve after that? Like, would he go like Suhudo? Would he learn how to, you know, how to box and different things? At the moment, he'd get destroyed in the UFC. Let's be honest here. He doesn't have the skill set uh, that you need to become a champion in the UFC, and he doesn't have what Damian Maya has as well. That you know, he has that X factor. He doesn't have that. He he's very very good wrestling, but you can stop very very good wrestling as well if you're good enough. And there's a lot of good fighters in in the um, in the welterweight division. I don't see him fight RDA. RDA, I think RDA would destroy him. Handy. Uh, does a five round suit Cerrone over Till? Yeah, we're talking about that. I I think it might. Uh, depends how Till can actually fight that one's from Kieran Sampleton at the suit. Yeah, well, Cerrone's had a lot more five round fights, so you you definitely think that that might that might benefit him. Hit him in the body once, he'll give up. Don't mind the five rounds. <laughs> At Momo LC1, is there anything besides Connor that brings Nate back to the octagon? I don't think so. Uh, um, GSP, possibly. I don't know. No, I think he's going to try and wait wait for Connor, but um, he can't wait forever, really, can he? He, he says he, he doesn't need to fight again, but there's a lot of money on the table for him either way, even if it, even if it isn't Connor. Yeah, I agree. Last question, Patrick Sheehan at Pat123. Kind of a friend of the podcast who called me the same. Uh, could McGregor learn from Nunes in that fight in regards to pacing to preserve cardio? I think he already did that against Nate Diaz. I think a part of how, why Connor is so dominant and why he's so popular is because he finishes people in, in the early rounds and that pressure is um, the pressure. People can't take the pressure that he puts on them. So uh, it would change him as a fighter if he, if he fought like Nunes fought or fought like Woodley fought. Uh, it, w- it would probably um, reduce his pay-per-view boys if he did that a couple of fights in a row as well. Like uh, people don't like Anderson Silva was a brilliant fighter, one of the best of all time. A lot of people would have him as the best of all time, but uh, a lot of people got pissed off at him when it, when he fought uh, kind of slow-paced fights where he didn't take risks and he he kind of he never became a, a bigger star as he could have been. I think, and partly because of that. Yeah, I think it's horses for courses, really. And I, I was talking about that earlier. Look, Woodley has done it against too many people now. I don't think McGregor would do it against everyone. Like we saw, he did it against Diaz, and then he knocked Eddie Alvarez out in two rounds in the next fight. So I think that's enough data there to show that you know horses for courses. If he need, if he fought Diaz again, I think he he played a long game. Wouldn't try to fuck himself up. You know, he looked for the knockout and stuff early, but you know he wouldn't he wouldn't be wearing himself out. He played a, a longer game. But the Nate Diaz and Connor fought at a much higher pace in the second fight than than like the Woodley fights or the. Oh, one hundred percent. But he still like he did, McGregor wasn't fighting at his usual clip like you know he wasn't yeah, yeah. doing he didn't kick he like he only kicked his legs he wasn't throwing any big high kicks you know energy wasting kicks at all in that second fight oh yeah absolutely yeah it, um stalls make fights yeah it's basically as you say horses for horses yeah 100 right that's the end of the podcast thank you for everyone for for listening as i said you can send us in questions from now at severe mma pod uh severe mma podcast at gmail or severe mma pod i think at gmail.com let me look that up i don't know we'll, we'll find it i'll tweet it out uh <laughs> Severe MMA podcast over on Facebook, uh, Severe MMA com on Facebook, Shanti and MMA on Facebook, at Severe MMA on Twitter, Shanti and BA on Twitter, at Severe MMA pod as well, obviously. Graham, while I'm getting my inspirational quote there, any any parting words, anything, uh, anything of note? Um, it would be good to have the, the Champions League back uh, so we can all forget about the provincial leagues and uh, all that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> what if you lose five nil? In the cha- no, look, hold on. If Oxford Chamber, uh, Oxford Chamberlain is playing, it's probably going to be six nil because it was four nil, five nil. Like he's going to lose someone six nil in his next game. So I'd be worried. The poor lad. He only came on when the game was dead and buried, and he's getting all the blame. 
I actually only saw it afterwards. You see Klopp like laughing and joking with him and stuff coming on like what, what was it? 2-0 down with you know 10 men on the on the field laughing and joking. Klopp probably out. already got through all the all the stages of grief by that stage. <laughs> that's that's a fair point, yeah. Yeah, but uh yeah, looking forward. I don't even know how many United are playing. I believe they're playing Tuesday, so yeah. Actually, that's people do, do us do us a favor, subscribe. If you're on SoundCloud. Please subscribe, subscribe on SoundCloud. Um, if if you use that podcast addict, iTunes, whatever, give us a good rating. Tweet tweet out the podcast to be uh, a big help. We don't ask for much from you, so do that. And severeme.com as well. Forward slash merchandise. There's loads of stuff over there. Some cool t-shirts, baseball caps, glasses, the whole lot. You can buy them over there. So that's that's that. Here we go. Inspirational quote of the week. The expert in anything was once a beginner. We'll see you next Tuesday or Monday.